Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Redemption's Table Podcast. Glad you are tuned in listening. Today is going to be spectacular. Our special guest is Steph Cherry, one of my all-time favorite people. Her and her husband, Denby, have a ministry uh, called Gomer's House, and we'll be talking a little bit about that. We'll also be talking a little bit about the Gospel Mom and other things that Steph is involved in. About a month ago, we had Denby on the podcast, and if you haven't listened to his story yet, it's called Reconciliation's Song. Uh, Go back and listen to it, but listen to it after you listen to Steph. I promise you this is going to be a conversation you will want to hear, you want to go back and listen to it again, take notes. Um, so we are in Texas when we recorded this in San Marcos, Texas. I'm back in Texas because this uh, past Friday, my daughter her, and her husband uh, gave birth to a, a baby boy. And uh, Indy Chase Myers is in the world. And Lauren and Chase are proud parents and all is well. Everybody's doing well. Uh, but it's been an exciting past few days for me as a cool papa. So I'm glad you're tuned in. I'm glad you keep sharing the podcast, keep telling people about it, but let's get started. Let's listen in. Thanks for being here. Welcome to Redemption's Table. I am very excited to be at this particular table because a few weeks ago, podcast-wise, I sat down with one of my best friends, Denby Cherry, and we enjoyed lunch at a great barbecue place. And tonight, I am sitting down to another table with, with uh, Stephanie Cherry, Denby's wife and a dear dear friend and (laughs) welcome Steph. Thank you for having me Robert onto your podcast. Where are we tonight because you can pronounce where we are I can't. (laughs) We are at the Patio Dolcetto in San Marcos Texas. And we've just had dessert. Yes we just had a chocolate molten lava cake and coffee with all the things in it. And we just had dinner with one of your friends Christy Gunther. Yes Christy Gunther she's one of my very best friends. So we've kind of had a full uh, evening, Mm -hmm. and uh, glad to have you at this table. Thank you. You are an incredible individual. I've watched (laughs) your life. I've watched God do things through you that I see Him, not that He can't do them through anybody. You (laughs) just, you have such a, a heart for God to use. You have this tremendous spirit of discernment. If I need prayer, you are in the top three individuals that I call to and say, hey, I need you to pray for this. Uh, 
God has, uh, you have surrendered your heart for God to develop in so many wonderful ways. Uh, beautiful inside and out. And it's just, a, I'm blessed to call you my friend. Thank you. You like, and you, I love the way you're an author, uh, <laughs> a wordsmith, and uh, I like, you have a saying about being in cahoots with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to be in cahoots so funny. with the Holy Spirit? Um, that's always my prayer request to Robert uh, when he asked me for my yearly prayers. Um, I think being in cahoots, um, it's like an old western, right? You're going to ride out. We're going to go. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody in trouble. Well, he's going to lead the way and he's going to show you who needs you that day. Um, I find that every day you can be on an adventure with him. And a lot of times I don't even have to leave my house. It'll come through a text. It'll come on social media. Um, sometimes God brings people to my door. Sometimes I find them in the Walmart bathroom. I mean, there's always somebody that um, needs you. They need that touch. They need to know that they're not alone. So that would be the cahoots to me and the obedience to just ride out. Yeah. We, we can do that very well. And I, th- I believe you. the Holy Spirit is in cahoots with you. Yeah, uh, I'm in cahoots with him. Yeah, I'm exactly. following him. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, but He's I, my rooster Cogburn, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think he finds it easier hanging out with some because they're willing to ride wherever. Right, I'm so, going. Yeah. Saddle's already on. Yeah. Several years ago, mm-hmm. you and Denby had a vision to, uh, to start a retreat home and, 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 and that that vision has come to fruition uh, y'all purchased an old home in Fentress Texas mm-hmm. and you named it Gomer's house tell yes. us a little bit about Gomer's house uh, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit about the name first Dimby did not have a vision Dimby no vision <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not surprised <laughs> he was like what woman <laughs> I, uh, so we lived in a little townhouse in Kyle, and I love people, and I really love hurting people. Um, I lost one of my brothers at that point, and I was about to lose another brother, but that really opened my heart up to um, seeing lonely people everywhere, and so uh, I didn't want people to feel alone, and as we traveled around, like my husband's leading ministries, doing worship, doing all these things, and I don't do those things, so I would just end up talking to people. And I'm very shy, like introverted, but I would end up talking to people and find out that their pastor, the pastor's wife, the staff, whoever on, in the church was hurting, and they didn't feel like that he wanted, um, that they could talk to. And so I, I was like, you want to come home with me? You know, I'll make you some fried chicken and let's have some talks about whatever it is that's on your heart and that you're dealing with because you're not by yourself, you know, even and that's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants to isolate you and keep you alone. And as I start inviting people over, you're one of the people that came and stayed um, at our townhouse. Yes. Okay, so um, my husband is very introverted. He's gotten a lot better. Like, he's much more hospitable now. But he would just want to (laughs) hide. About 9 o'clock, he would be like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to bed. I can't handle any more peopling. But um, eventually, we outgrew our house. Mm -hmm. And I knew that God was telling me, you need to make more room for more people. And when I told him that, he was like, simmer down. You know, you need to simmer down. Uh, we can't buy a bigger house. We can't do all these things. And I prayed for nine months. And then 
on one Sunday morning about on in the ninth month you know we're about to give birth right um I was like I have to leave like you can stay living here mm -hmm. but I can't be in disobedience anymore and so he said okay you can put our house on the market and then we were homeless for a while after we sold that. our house but it we sold our house right before the market crash so that was really I think the the push point and God telling us to get out okay. um, so we could actually get money otherwise we couldn't have sold it so then we were homeless living with random people um, going on we lived in a one room one bedroom apartment with our friend we lived at people's houses we lived at camp we live in my parents I mean we were everywhere you were homeless so we were homeless yeah, okay. we definitely were homeless um, and then I found this house on Craigslist out in the middle of nowhere and um, Fentress Texas which who's ever been there I don't know anything good come out of Fentress <laughs> Texas no um, but anyway we pull up and it's this three-story dilapidated mansion covered in poison ivy with uh, I mean the yard was probably 12 foot high it was terrifying it looked like an Alfred Hitchcock movie yeah, I, I know. <laughs> and but there in the front yard was a sign from a realtor we actually knew uh, he went to church with us and uh, when we pull up there, my husband, who's not handy, who doesn't like to be hospitable, says, this is it. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> We're moving into the Albert Hitchcock house. But we did. No heat and AC, no kitchen, no bathrooms, uh, no insulation, uh, no toilets. We were glamping for like four years wow. while people... Uh, God rallied people to come help us just to be able to live inside the house. And um, people came and stayed with us, which was crazy to me. I mean, we literally had socks in our walls blocking the air because you could see to the outside. So, But people came and spent the night with us still and hung out and ate and brought their friends. And it would be 18 degrees inside and they would come. I. I still really can't get over it. I think we've had a, a little over a thousand people come to our house. Wow. Mm -hmm. I remember early on, because you're right, it did look like an Alfred Hitchcock type mm, place, yes. like the house from Psycho. Yeah. I pulled up. Y'all were out of town. Um, oh, you were staying there by yourself. I was there by myself, and it was it on was Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and I pull up, and I and I go. It's the first time I'd ever been. And uh, then we had left. Y'all had a, a cat who had just given birth to kittens, a bunch of kittens. Uh -huh. And I go and open your screen door, which had a hole in its screen door. Yes. And there's a note there and on the door, and I grab the note, grab the key. I go inside to read the note. And I closed the screen behind me, but as I'm reading the note, it said, uh, make sure you close the door behind you because if not, the kittens will go through the screen. And I turn around, and it's like four <laughs> kittens have already bailed, and, and they're out running around the yard, so I had to go retrieve them. Oh, that's anyway, funny. Yeah, I, I was there on Halloween, and, I, and I, I, the only spirit I felt was the Holy Spirit. That's so. good. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you named the house. Gomer's house. Yes. For those who are listening that may not have a clue, you know, Gomer, usually think of an old uh, 60 sitcom. But <laughs> Gomer Pyle. Gomer's, Gomer's house. Right. Um, so in the book of Hosea, um, Hosea marries a prostitute named Gomer. He's commanded to. Yes, he's told to marry her. And um, she leaves him. She comes back. She leaves him. He goes gets her. I mean, it's just back and forth. He, she's having these 
children with other men through prostitution and he takes them into his house and then she ends up on the slave block and he goes and takes his barley and uh, whatever else he had because he wasn't rich he was a prophet Mm -hmm. um, and goes and buys her back and then when he brings her home he doesn't um, he doesn't make her a slave which he had full right to do because he purchased her as a slave he restored her um, as his wife and brought her back and fully restored her in that place and um, you know reading commentaries about these prostitutes they're generally drug addicts they're you know all these things and working in the mental health field all I could see was um, when people go into clinics and they you know are detox Mm -hmm. that's what I saw Hosea doing like this wild you know detox of this woman and then putting her back as his wife and what she must have been like if she's a restored picture of Israel right Mm -hmm. what Gomer must have ended up being like just as in my mind she's this herald of peace and grace and God's goodness right and that's what that's the picture I wanted of for our house was the links he went to restore her you know it, it would speak it would preach and it does. It's mm-hmm. a, a beautiful story. Uh, a beautiful, I mean, it's a living story. You talked about him buying her back from mm-hmm. slavery. Right. You know, he, he, uh, that's redemption. That's what the word redeem means. Mm-hmm. Uh, following God's leadership, God's instruction to redeem his wife out of sin, which is what God has done for every one of us through Jesus right. Christ. I knew of uh, I knew of Gomer's house first as uh, you know this beautiful uh, vision that became reality. That's uh, so much uh, it, it continues to shine and it's a work in progress and has been f- since what year? I don't know. Uh, I think it's ten years. About. Okay. So I don't remember what year we moved in there. And you're still working working on it. Uh, yes. But it's come from where it started to where it is the, yes. today. It's wow. Yeah. But your original idea for it was to bring, you know, burned out staff, burned out ministers. Mm-hmm. I, I became one of mm-hmm. uh, the people who spent a season at Gomer's house. Uh, bless y'all's hearts, y'all have. My wife, uh, been married 29 years, uh, she left uh, me and uh, just, I did not see that coming. And I went through a two year season of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And one of the places I would occasionally come would be to, to visit y'all. And y'all knew me, and you know, I was at my worst. If, I, if there's worse than that, I hope I never experience it. Uh, but, you know, uh, your vision, your love, your grace. I know at times I was not the most pleasant person to be around. You're fine. Uh, but I'm grateful for y'all. Thank you. We you, love you. Yeah, love you too. Love both of you. you mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so other things that you do, you, you one of the things to raise money for mm-hmm. Gomer's House. Uh, you you do incredible artwork. You have yeah, a very you. distinct uh, artistic flair. Thank you. And. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. I'm going to take some snapshots back at your place of, of all the work. Okay. Um, How did all that come about? Well, so um, my grandpa was a cowboy artist. And um, as we were going through our house, I 
I was just staring at all this stuff. Like, I didn't have a kitchen. I didn't have, I mean, it was awful. It's all rotted out. There's no stove. There was nothing. And I was walking by this picture of him. And I remember this story that he said um, when they, he and my grandma first got married, he would trade his artwork for bread for them to eat. Now, he went on to be, you know, be collected by president and, like, his artwork is hanging in the Oval Office. But I thought, okay, maybe I can trade things I make. I mean, even in the Christian bookstore, there's hokey stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll get some Holy Spirit stuff and I could trade what I have for bread for the people who come to my house, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's where it really started. And, I mean, I made quite a bit of money. Just, but it all goes back into missions and ministry. So, there you go. Okay. And I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I finger paint and I watercolor and I'm just having fun. But it's absolutely beautiful and, yeah. and it has just, a distinct. Uh, you're not. It's not imitating anybody else. No, it's, I just pray. I pray and paint. I've commissioned a few. few yes, I, you have. And I love your artwork. Thank you. Uh, you're very sweet. You also have one of the deepest hearts of empathy for people mm-hmm. Thank you. that I have ever witnessed and and personally for me I've discovered empathy comes from brokenness being broken yourself um, mm-hmm. I was sharing sometime in the past uh, I was going through a, a part of my life and I, I just made a comment to you I said I'm starting to feel like Joseph uh, the Old Testament Joseph who of course, was thrown in the pit by his brothers and then pulled out of the pit and then went to work in Potiphar's house uh, mm-hmm. and then he's falsely accused and then he goes into the dungeon, into the prison again. And he's not quite where God ultimately had him, where he was put in a position of leadership to help not only save the nation of Egypt, but to save the nation of, of Israel as well. And, uh, and the, the great conclusion of that story where his brothers suddenly are confronted by him or they realize who he is and he just looks at them and says you intended it for evil but God intended it for good right but I made a comment to you I said you know I feel like I've been thrown in the, into the prison again and I'm not quite there to the end of that story yet and you said you had often identified uh, with the Old Testament figure of Joseph uh, you want to comment right. about that um, well I think it's kind of a lot of things that make me feel that way. Growing up, I suffered through a lot of abuse. Um, and then as an adult, you go work in a church and you experience that from Christian leadership. Um, and I, being hurt by someone who's running a church is just as bad as being hurt by a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they throw you under the bus, it is devastating. Um, but you know god god has a great plan for you being thrown under the bus i know that sounds terrible but um he has this plan right he and when you're in the prison um you identify with prisoners Mm -hmm. and so that's freeing you know i'm not worried about what all these hoodly who people think are thinking about me or the people up top i'm a prisoner i'm in the prison and that is actually probably one of the most freeing things I've ever experienced, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like hanging out with homeless people. I lived in my car for a while just because I didn't want to go home anymore. 
um, and that gave me this identity. And when I tell people that, they can't believe it. And I tell homeless people that they can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get it. Like I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this life anymore. Um, but God, He's hidden all these surprises all along the way, right? And he has these things for us to do and they don't look anything like what you think they would like tidy little office work where you're saving the world mm-hmm. he's not really in, interested in you doing that I don't think he's interested in you um, loving people yeah. you, you have this amazing fierceness I used that word earlier with someone else tonight fierceness uh, as a, a warrioress uh, strength is what I'm saying. You communicate right. the truth very strong, and yet at the same time, you experience uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, you get backlash from that that hurts. I get pummeled, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've witnessed it. You communicate it very well in your writings. And, you know, that's that, those are two extremes. Where you, and, you, and then you also, the third extreme, this tremendous love. I watch you pour it out on the lives of those you touch, and as you're ministering, and also with your family. You have a beautiful family, Thank absolutely you. three beautiful little girls, and uh, and then being with whom we call the diva. And <laughs> uh, but how do you, you know, that those are extremes, you know, extreme yet extreme speaking strong truth, and then you're getting pummeled by the enemy, and then you've got so much heart of love, and then. What's the balance in all that? I don't have a balance in all that. I Those are all Jesus, because those are none of my natural tendencies. Um, I can tell you parts of where they came from. Like, um, you know, you grow up in an abusive home, you have this, like, emotional detachment, right? You don't really feel emotions. You don't really see how what you do affects other people mm-hmm. and I had that like I loved people but I had I was emotionally detached but it was when I was reading one of Brandon Manning's books but I don't remember which one it was but he was talking about him having that mm-hmm. um, and he had been in love with this woman um, but could never really connect with her mm-hmm. and I stopped reading that book and I just prayed for God to heal that mm-hmm. in me and they say you can't be healed from it like it's your brain your pathways your synapses they just run this way forever it never goes back but god i think he thought it would just be funny if he'd like overdid it (laughs) (laughs) and like i will be standing next to people and i can just feel their emotions i can feel what they're going through i know things about people that um no one tells you you know um but their emotions are so strong to me that i I just need to minister to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not of my own thought of volition. It's just this push from the Holy Spirit. Like, go, walk over there. Sometimes I feel like I'm not even controlling myself. Like, they are, the Lord is pushing me to a person, and words will come out of my mouth, and they will say, oh, what you said, blah, 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 and I don't remember saying it. Mm. Those, that's what you're saying, that truth. That's, yeah. I feel like all of that is the Lord. Yeah. You've done that with me. Last fall, I lead a worship service called Broken, which you've been to there to lead. It's in Alabama, and Denby's been there to lead. And I, I became discouraged with it. 
back in the fall, I was just about ready to pull the plug on it. And you came to a lead broken, and Denby did as well, and we had a conversation about an hour and a half, I'll never forget it, before that evening. And you just spoke God's truth into me, and you told me what you said, and it was just like, you know, you just, your words under God's leadership just went straight to the heart of the matter. And again, that's an amazing gift that God has given you to allow you to do that. Thank you. I don't know that I'm gifted. I just feel like He takes over. He takes over. <laughs> yes. Well, your transparency, your vulnerability. A conduit. Yeah, yeah. You'd pray, you know, I always ask you, beginning of every year, how may I pray for you this year? And uh, this year you said something to the effect of wanting more opportunities for ministry in a lot of different ways. And wow, God mm-hmm. is answering that prayer. because yeah. Tell us what you're involved in ministry-wise. Oh, You've got Gomez House, but then what uh, else? I do a lot of things with the homeless. I do, I'm always at Church on the Bridge. We do, my friend Mindy and I, we, um, we go to a small group homeless small group which is the coolest thing in the world uh, we go feed there and hang out around a fire next to a, pen, a tent city um, and it's just awesome it's such a raw and beautiful place that's um, in Waco Texas. it's in Waco Church on the Bridge is the one that I go to is also in Waco uh, we go to the Trinity Center uh, which is a, a homeless center in um, downtown Austin which is a lot of homeless people over on 8th Street and um we just love on people i'm not there to i don't i'm not trying to fill some big role there i'm just trying to love people in trauma and i find you do that just through kindness and eye contact and care and being interested in their stories um because a lot of people don't get to tell anyone Mm -hmm. you know and so that's a it's a big deal to be listened to and heard and you're also going to Haiti. I do go to Haiti. Sorry, I missed all that. That's okay. Uh, my, my friend Christy, who Robert interviewed earlier, um, she's the executive director of a, um, an orphanage in Port-au-Prince. And I've been praying for her and her husband for years, and I love them both very much. Um, and a couple years ago, God was like, well, if you're really going to pray for them, I'm going to need you to go ahead and see what you're going to be asking you know, for. And so I got on a playing to Haiti <laughs> I'm like okay Jesus um, so I, I just finished my third trip I'm going again in December and we go we do a women's conference there uh, for ladies off the streets and we do um, we go to the orphanage we just did a kids camp a hero camp which was a lot of fun um, I, I painted a mural in the orphanage and we painted the inside um, but it's just awesome uh, I've made a lot of just friends. I made some homeless friends in Haiti, and wow. I try to uh, look after them. Um, when I got there on this last trip, one of my friends who was homeless, she uh, had been hurt really bad. She had been burned, and nobody even really knew her. None of my friends knew who she was, but that she was the first person I asked about. And so then I found out she had been hurt. So um, a lot of my friends here stateside, got together and we got her medicine and food and you know made sure she was going to be okay and we're trying to figure out a job for her and try to help her find her way mm-hmm. you also are well read uh, <laughs> you are, you're always reading uh, I used to 
read a book a week. I did that for several years, but it's been a long time. This year, I'm actually doing that. You go. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm hanging in there with it. I plan on reading 52 books this year, but I don't know how many books you read in the course of the year. You read a lot. In your... That's my goal. Oh. 52 is my goal, but okay. I think I'm at like 49 right now. Wow, and it's July. Yeah, but it was an accident. August. It was an accident? <laughs> well, one of my favorite authors is Mark Batterson. And he talked about before he ever wrote his first book that he read like thousands of books. And you've already written a book. And I, I th- wrote a devotional. You wrote a devotion, but yes. it's still a book. Yes, and, it is an actual book. Yeah. And I read your blog. I, I read the blog you have for uh, moms. What's that? Um, oh, the Gospel Mom. The Gospel Mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I, t- I tell you this often, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? Because, I'm trying. Uh, yeah, yeah. But maybe that's the the that that's where all this reading is going. Uh, I don't right. know. But what share a couple of uh, redemptive books you've read in the last I don't know the last uh, <laughs> last forty nine books you've read. The last forty nine <laughs> books you've read. Uh, last week I read, or it might be the week before. I don't remember. It was a miracle on Voodoo Mountain about a girl who moved to Haiti. She was twenty four. Um, just because she had a dream about a tree she saw there um, for a work trip and she felt like God told her to move there. This is a real story? Uh huh. And she started a school and um, took down a corrupt orphanage and she lives there. She adopted a bunch of kids and really just changing the landscape of where she went to. Wow. Um, And then, let's see, other redemptive books. I don't know. Um, there's so many. They're so good. I, I really, I've really been into World War II this year. That's my trouble. Okay. Um, but like Lilac Girls, it was very redemptive. How um, it was about all the women who were used as like medical um, experiments. Yes. By the Nazis. Yes. Okay. So they they were called the Rabbit Girls, and um, you know they had like parts of their legs missing and all this stuff. But then some woman in America in New York City. I heard about them and like made it her mission to get all of them to the USA to get like medical help and get so they could walk again and all of this. And Why have we never heard that story? I mean, I know we just now are evidently. But. Yeah, um, but that in that book, that one woman who made it her mission, who you know was she working at the French consulate and doing all these different things, uh, it was so inspiring to me. Because this wasn't a team of 200 people. It was a lady wow. who was like, I'm going to love these 50 people. Wow. Or I'm get, you know, I'm going to get these 12 women new legs. I'm gonna, you know what I mean? So it was very inspiring to me. Wow. Mm-hmm. You, uh, I, I believe you see the reality, spiritual reality of what's going on around us. Just like I believe I do, I definitely um, I'm not professing, nor am I saying that you see at the the entirety of all of that reality. But you see God at work in this world, yes. And you move toward that, and uh, I think sometimes we get caught up. People get caught up with the nightly news, the news of the day, 
and even in churches and sit around and like you know they say they just talk about how bad things are going and I think the focus is put upon the bad and of course as you know this particular podcast accentuates you know what God is doing look right. open your eyes he is busy he is active all around us he's not he's not checked out on people's lives uh, what would you say to someone who was having difficulty seeing God at work uh, to, you know, what would, how would you encourage them or advise them to open up and just recognize that God is moving and could possibly even move and work through their life? Um, I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Jesus Who Surprises. I think that's right. Um, but one of the things she has you do every day is write down where you saw God at work. Okay. Uh, how did Jesus surprise you today? Where did you see him? And she gives some examples of, you know, there's beautiful things that are happening around you. Maybe it's even your husband brought you coffee this morning, or it could be so simple, but we're so focused on, I, I call it glorifying the devil. When we are, we whine and complain and we only see the bad, we're refusing to look at the face of God because he's there everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And when you, personally, when I hang out with negative people, I start being negative and uh, I have to rebuke myself because it's there's so much better right yeah pain, like uh, was it frederick buckner pain isn't the biggest thing that ever happened to you right yeah glory yeah. is the biggest thing that ever happened to you grace and redemption wow. so to focus on those things i'm glad i asked that question <laughs> yeah, glorifying the devil that's what we're doing okay i've never thought about that that's why you need to write uh-huh, you you're just, funny no <laughs> um i know also know you do this you have uh, you 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 have a word of the year uh, or a word of the season. What's your word of the year this year? Papillon. It's uh, French for butterfly. Papillon. Papillon. Well, I know mm-hmm. the Steve McQueen, Dustin Hoffman movie. I'm assuming <laughs> same spelling. No. But I don't know. P a p p a l i o n. Maybe I don't know. Pa- okay. It's a French. I don't know French. Are you French? Because no. you like French words. No, I just like words. Okay. Uh, but in Haiti, there's a store called Papillon. Okay. There's a big butterfly there, but um, I really felt like that was my word. You're emerging. Wow. To uh, Bob Goff, we were talking about him earlier. Yeah. He said, "What would you do if you weren't afraid anymore?" And I was like, "Jesus, I don't. I want to do that. I want to do that. I don't even know what I would do, but you push me out the window. Yeah. I don't. You know." Like, so, to emerge from the cocoon. To emerge. Mm-hmm. And that's what papillon means. Yeah, coming wow. when you become the butterfly. Thanks to you, I know another word, sobremesa, <laughs> uh, which is after-dinner conversation. Yes. Come, and which thought of sobremesa is really what this podcast is based on because we've already eaten and it's just spending time around the table. Uh, ask your husband this question. I think I actually took, <laughs> t- took him off guard when I asked it because he was very reflective. Uh, and, I, and I love that. that he, right. Uh, what does table mean to you? Um, well, you know, I just started a new nonprofit. Me, Dimby and I did. It's the Boho Table um, because the table is really important to me. Um, like I told you, when all this started with our house... I was like, well, I could just get people to my table and give them fried chicken. I feel like they could get healing, mm-hmm. right? Because table intimacy is so important. And I I did a lot of studying on it, you know, and you read about families, the families that prosper and the families that fail, 
the people that prosper are the people who eat together. Mm-hmm. It's just like three or four nights a week. Your kids won't end up on drugs and blah, blah, you know, like the whole statistics. Uh, I, I know it's not a guarantee, but it's amazing yeah. how a simple meal can change your kids' lives, right? Yeah. When, uh, when God is telling people to go through the narrow door in Luke chapter 13, where do they end up? At the table in the kingdom. Yeah. And when they go to Psalm 23, right? They go through the valley of the shadow of death. Where do they, where do they end up? They end up at the, the table, table eating in front of their enemies, mm-hmm. basking in the glory of God, right? Over and over and over. You could go through all scripture. Maybe that's what I should write about. The, all the places, the table. Let's write that book together. Is, okay, I love the table. Is in scripture. Yeah. My, as one of my a, favorites, Mephibosheth. Yes. It brought to the table um, with David. And, uh, but the, the table is, to me, is the place of redemption. Like, the cross and the table. Because you come there for communion, and, you, you know, that's where you partake in what the cross did for you. Wow. Right? It's so important. Wow. And, uh, like, when we bring people into our home, that's where the conversation happens. That's where the, the forgiveness is birthed. That's where the things that lay hidden come out when you're chatting over after a meal uh, you know over coffee over salsa or queso or whatever then it just the intimacy happens you and I could sit here and talk for hours (laughs) Uh, you know the same thing I told Denby the same thing Uh, and I, it's my prayer, my hope that there will be future conversations as God continues to open doors and, and uh, what you both are doing. Uh, I'm, I'm honored and excited to be on the sidelines, sometimes in the race with you, or that particular race. Saddled up. Uh, saddle up, which is goes back, let's see what saddle up, uh, what's the word? Uh, cahoots. Cahoots, yeah, yes. Getting cahoots. So. Well, thank you for... Uh, Thank you for having dessert. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. I did too. Our sign off, or actually it's our sign on, but sign off, sign on, wax on, wax off, stop, uh, <laughs> is uh, Party of Redemption. Your table is now available. And put your own flair on that. Say it however you want to say it. Uh, sign us off. <laughs> Party of Redemption. Your table is now ready. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Robert.